Hi everyone. Welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm Ashwarya, your host for this episode. And I'm Aryan. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon and subscribe to help the podcast out. Go over to www.patreon.com/desicrime and select a tier that works best for you. Any contributions you make mean the world to us. We're back yet again with your favorite segment, our favorite segment, the segment where you tell us your horrifying, nightmarish, incredibly terrifying stories that keep us and our entire Desi community up all night. Welcome to another episode of Chai and Chitti. So you guys for this episode today it's just me narrating all of your stories but Aryan is here in the foreground incredibly incredibly unwell in fact he sounds kind of like a dying duck I I think <clears throat> I think I'm the stand in Ashwarya for this episode you haven't been sick for very long and um, thank god for I that I think we yes. were missing that but oh my god Ashwarya this is one of the worst colds I have had in recent memory uh Yeah, my head's like a pressure cooker waiting to burst open. And yeah, you guys were supposed to have a, a regularly scheduled episode, a true crime case, but um if I even <clears throat> attempted to narrate it, it would be ridden with coughs <laughs> and a dying Aryan. <laughs> the true crime and case would be an editing nightmare. <laughs> and editing, yes. oh my god. And I would have had to edit it, which is just not tenable. <laughs> There you go. That's so, the first cough of the episode. There we go. Oh, let's I, keep a see, let's keep I a th- cough count yeah, down. I'll mute. I'll <laughs> cough count. Do shorts. Do do Hanita shorts every time I cough. <laughs> uh, but awesome. hopefully, 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 some of the spooky stories you have scare the living uh, bejesus out of the virus in me, and uh, I hopefully feel better. So I'm looking forward to it. and on the note of scaring aryan's virus away and out of his body and scaring all of y'all's soul out of your bodies let's get on with our first story the subject line of the email reads a chai and chitti story from bihar the email starts dear aryan and ashwarya i'm a a devoted listener and a long time fan of your podcast As a journalism student and oh by the way this is about to be a fantastically written email I stumbled upon your podcast during one of my assignments and instantly became captivated I must admit I find a peculiar satisfaction in listening to crime podcasts and thanks to your wonderful voices I often drift off to sleep while engrossed in your episodes that means so much to us thank you While I thoroughly enjoy the crime podcasts your chai and chitti episodes never fail to bring fun to me I've always contemplated sending you an email to share a horrific incident from my own life but my laziness got the better of me. Nevertheless, here I am now taking the time to write it all down for you. This story dates back to when I was only 3 years old. 
While I don't recall the details of the incident myself, my family's recollection and contributions have helped me piece together the events. During that time, we lived in a joint family around 2005. My father, being in the army, resided wherever he was posted, but luckily he was on holiday at the time of this incident. Fellow army kid shout out, fellow army kid residing in random parts of the country experiencing all sorts of weird haunted tales shout out. Yes, completely relate. The email continues. <laughs> As my father's visits home were infrequent, my mother being the ideal daughter-in-law was seldom allowed to venture out alone visiting relatives or places. Thus, my father took the opportunity to accompany my mother on a visit to my eldest bua's house. I basically have four buas, so dad took mom to visit my eldest bua and then to my other bua's place which happened to be on route to our home. Now for our international listeners who don't know who a bua is, a bua is basically your father's sister. So our listener's father has four sisters and they decided to meet two of them on this holiday. I should have the west needs to adopt the Indian taxonomy of relatives because Absolutely. I think it's one of our greatest uh, gifts to the world where a single classification uh, can help you understand the entire a uh, familial hierarchy and dynamic at play whereas in in US or abroad it's just aunt and uncle i mean bua yep. chacha fufa anything is just aunt and uncle that's so nondescript and it tells you nothing so i think i think white people you can learn something from us and this actually reminds me of a funny incident with my boyfriend a couple days ago where he noticed that all of my aunts and uncles had separate terms that i was using for them and he questioned me on what that was and whether or not he could use it and his comment was that my boyfriend has seven siblings it'd be impossible for him and all of his siblings eventual children and their wives to all remember what each of them was to the kids but then my mom chimed in whose father also had eight siblings mm. and my mom says it was completely normal she remembers all of them there was never yeah, any confusion yeah. which is kind of crazy like no matter how big our families get we still remember who's what which is amazing we yep. definitely need to spread this this email continues the visit was impromptu and as they met after a long time it grew late into the night My aunt insisted that they stay the night and leave the next morning but my father true to his army discipline declined assuring that they would manage and there was no harm in traveling late at night After bidding their farewells my parents set off Given the late hour my father decided to take a shortcut which involved crossing an old railway track As my mother clung to my father's shoulders while they rode on the bike she suddenly grabbed him tightly perplexed my father inquired about the reason for her sudden action she explained that she felt as if someone was pulling her back my father laughed it off teasing remarking perhaps a ghost is trying to grab you they continued their journey and safely reached home the following morning my father went for his daily walk while my mother came downstairs to meet other family members who were already there As I mentioned earlier my mother was an ideal daughter-in-law adored by everyone for her cheerful disposition part of her morning routine including touching my grandparents feet upon waking up however to everyone's surprise she appeared unusually quiet and somber that day she stared at my grandfather with a horrified expression and refrained from touching his feet concerned my grandfather summoned my father and asked him what was wrong with my mom My father inquired and my mother simply replied that she wasn't feeling well. 
she was escorted to her room where my younger brother who was 2 years old at the time lay sleeping my father left her there momentarily and exited the room i sat there beside her innocently questioning why she was so quiet to my sudden shock she picked up my brother and threw him off of the bed he began crying and so did i i hurriedly ran to my aunt's room who was in the adjacent room by the time she arrived my mother was laying unconscious on the floor everyone was summoned and my mother was rushed to the doctor when she regained consciousness the doctor approached her preparing to administer an injection out of nowhere my mother flung the glucose stand and i believe that's what it's called at him my father was taken aback as he had never witnessed such behavior from my mother before Sensing something was amiss the doctor advised my father to take my mother to a renowned local pandit or a priest My father followed the doctor's advice and took my mother to the pandit who performed a sacred ritual and tied a sacred thread around her wrist After some time my mother finally regained her composure and questioned why she was there and what had happened to her The pandit smiled and reassured her that it was all for her well-being Later the pandit revealed that the railway track my parents had crossed that fateful night was infamous for a tragic accident. Two young couples had hanged themselves from a tree there because their families disapproved of their love and marriage. According to the pandit the souls of those ill-fated lovers had somehow entered my mother's body. Her adorned appearance, her bangles, her sindoor and lipstick had attracted their spirits to her. Fortunately nothing untoward has happened to my mother since that incident. However the experience sent shivers down our spines and our family vowed to never go near that railway track again. Over time we discovered that many others had encountered similar eerie occurrences in that vicinity. I hope you enjoyed that story. Although nothing particularly terrifying happened, the notion of a soul inhabiting my mother's body still sends chills down our spines. Warm regards, A. The idea that uh, you know traversing a certain path via um, train and that mm-hmm. path being supposedly haunted. I mean, right. imagine how many haunted locations you go over on a train ride, on a ten, twelve-hour train ride in India. Uh, you I must know. be ridden with ghosts at that point. You know, the villages that you go through. I mean. you know these are these are unheard of places so many times so god knows how many ghosts can be found aboard rajdhani or uh, vande bharat and this is something aran and i often talk about india is a country of so much history and culture like yeah sure we know of the bhangars and sure we know of the whatever agrasen ki bawlis which are haunted but there have to be so many unknown places which if spirits do exist so many of these unknown tiny places in this country would be home to some form of a spirit good or bad which is a terrifying thought on that terrifying thought let's move on to an even more terrifying thought this email is titled the midnight game and that's what caught my attention to this email wow okay i'm that's yeah that's that's scarier than the previous story that title itself that sounds scary i know yeah yeah The email begins. Greetings Ashwarya and Aran. This is S from Kolkata, a true-hearted and devoted listener of your podcast since 2020. Thug Life was the series that got me hooked and I haven't missed a single episode since then. 
Well, my story begins with my friends and me having the exact same mindset that Aryan had before his multiple attempts of summoning the Bloody Mary, except we had a very different and traumatizing outcome, which not only sends shivers down my spine, but also leaves me with an overwhelming <laughs> oh sense of dread and fear. Oh, I love that the outcome varied. Oh, I, I can't wait to hear this one. Look at this, Aran. You've encouraged people to tread this way and, and they've had terrifying outcomes. You have blood on your hands. I, I Ghostly have bloody blood. on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best I can come up with at, with a 100 degree fever. So pardon my bad All right. Says. I think you need to mute yourself again. <laughs> the story begins. To give you a little background, I'm from Calcutta University or CU. I'm a third year student and this incident happened with me and three of my friends who we'll address as D, K and S. Throughout this story, we're in our third semester, which is our second year. Now, CU or Calcutta Uni has this rule where the students are required to appear for their uni finals from a specific allotted college, which is often far from your own college. That year, we got our seats allotted to a college that happened to be located in one of the remote parts of Kolkata. It was almost a two to three hour journey from my home, but luckily one of my aunties owned a flat near that area. So I and my friends decided to move in for the next two weeks for the exams there. It was a five story building and the flat we were staying in was on the fifth or the top floor. Some minor furnishing work was still going on, thus the whole building was mostly empty with only the second floor being resided by an older couple. But man, the vibes were off at that place. It was a two-bedroom flat, so me and Kay decided to share a room while DNS took the other room. There was a feeling of darkness and gloominess in that flat, but again, it was exam season. Everything feels dark and gloomy during those times. As the days went by, the feeling of uneasiness kept on growing. Things were always out of place, we could hear random noises, all of us had bad mood swings, etc. Our other friends were also crashing. Five or six girls in a small flat with uni exams going, it was pure chaos. However, none of us paid much attention and blamed it all on the exam season and the faulty education system of our country until we did something very stupid on the last day. We decided to spend one extra night as we were all super exhausted after the hectic soul-sucking exam week. We decided to stay in and have a relaxing sleepover. As we were hanging, eventually the topic of the creepiness of that flat came up and we thought it would be really fun to play some kind of game or maybe fake perform bizarre rituals in that environment. Not no, because no, we were Bengali, no. but because we were dumb, FYI. <laughs> Uh, fake fun. How, how could faking bizarre rituals be fun I don't know Aryan crime junkies are crazy alright yeah that precisely is true. We're, exactly we're a crazy bunch alright more power to you DNS and everybody <laughs> involved First, we performed a little planchette, a planchette being that device that the Ouija board uses when you have to go to individual alphabets. The device that moves to get you to the alphabet is called a planchette. Nothing happened, everyone was just messing around and we didn't think much of it. Until Dee suggested we played this game called the Midnight Game. She once saw a movie about it and ever since wanted to give it a try. She familiarized us with the rules. We would require paper, salt, matches and a candle to play this game. 
In the first step of the game, the player must write their full name on the paper and drop a single drop of their blood on the paper. Then the paper must be kept exactly in front of the door and all the lights of the house must be switched off. Now the player has to knock exactly 22 times on the door and the 22nd knock must be exactly at 12 a.m. The player has to light a matchstick after that, blow it out and let the spirit of the midnight man enter the house. The game is to escape from the spirit and one can create a circle of salt around them to completely protect themselves. The game will end exactly at 3.33 a.m. and until then, the player must remain completely silent. We all gathered the stuff and Dee started with the game. She followed all of the procedures and at exactly midnight, she blew out the candle and opened the main door. Nothing happened other than an unnaturally chilly wind passing and giving us all a micro-shiver. Disappointed, Dee joined us again and we decided to spend the rest of the night with Mean Girls and Budweiser. But don't tell my mom about the Budweiser part. (laughs) This is our little secret, we won't. By 2.30 or 3am, we were all pretty much exhausted, so we decided to wrap it up. Dee announced that she wasn't feeling very well, so she went up to her room to lie down. As we were doing a little clean-up, we heard a loud bang on the door. I looked through the eye hole. Nobody was there. 15 or 20 seconds later, another bang. Again, nobody, but the banging continued. We were four girls living alone at an unknown secluded place miles away from our home. I felt like my heart stopped beating. My friends stood there completely frozen. None of us knew what to do. Suddenly, we heard Dee's voice. She was murmuring something in her sleep. We realized she was burning up. Since we had very few resources, neither of us was brave enough to go down and seek help from the elderly couple. We managed with whatever we had. We all decided to spend the night in one room. Just when we thought the night couldn't get any worse, guess what? It did. When we started to calm down a bit, we heard what felt like screeching and tapping sounds on the window. Mind you, we were staying on the fifth floor. Now the flat didn't have curtains, but we used some towels to block the sunlight. And none of us were courageous enough to lift those towels to find out what was going on. My hands are getting numb as I'm recalling that night. We couldn't move and suddenly there was a power cut and that snapped me out of the shock. I quickly turned my mobile flashlight on and rushed to get some candles. On my way back to the room, I saw the whole building had light except our flat. The condition was getting worse. We were hearing things falling randomly and stomping sounds from the roof. I told SNK that we have to get out of this flat this very moment, otherwise we might not make it till tomorrow. And luckily, we did. We somehow carried Dee and managed to get out of the flat. The elderly couple was sweet enough to let us crash at their place. Surprisingly, she didn't ask many questions and also performed some kind of what looked like a cleansing ritual with burnt red chilli on Dee without saying anything. We went home the next morning super early as soon as possible, though we never got the chance to say goodbye to that elderly couple as we didn't want to wake them up. We felt bad about that to be honest, but we were too fucked up to think straight. Dee remained unnaturally sick for longer than expected. None of us spoke of that night ever again, but I was too curious to find out what happened and decided to do some research by not putting myself in danger this time, of course. 
turns out that what we thought was a simple midnight game was actually an ancient pagan ritual that was used to punish lawbreakers. I also found out that the building we were staying in used to be an executioner's ground in the 18th century. Now I don't know what triggered those events that happened with us, the ground, the ritual or the fact that it was literal full moon night that day. Yes, I did check the calendar, but whatever it is, it was horrific and diabolical. I hope you all liked my story and if you're wondering then yes I did advise my aunt to sell that flat and also told her to thank that old couple on behalf of us because obviously there is no way in hell I'm going back to that place but my aunt's only response to that was what old couple no one's moved in yet love yes yep yep the uh, the the virus in me just died Yep, it's obliterated. Scared. I'm glad. Oh my god, that final line. Holy crap. <laughs> I don't care if I it's true chills. or not. I don't care if there was creative license to add that final line. Neither do I. That was the cherry on top so of scary. the gruesome cake. Oh my god. I mean that 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 it started off sounded l- sounding like one of my experiences and then right. devolved into a tragedy of its own. I mean That's scary. That is that, terrifying. That is, yes. That's terrifying. Yep. Yep. But hey, at the very least, at least the old couple were a nice spirit if they were spirits. Yeah, at the very least, I feel better now. I think I I can feel the virus count that. deplete. I can Yes, <coughs> you just cured nope, around. No, nope, so. it's back. It's back. <coughs> Or I'll mute myself again. All right. <laughs> The last and final email has another very scary subject line. It's called the phone calls. The email starts. Hi Ashwarya and Aryan. I'm A from Mumbai and I'm a true crime and horror podcast junkie just like you. I think it goes without saying that I absolutely adore your podcast and I'm one of the many fans of your desi crime. Just the way you both narrate the crime stories in your calm and composed voice, your attention to the details in the stories, and the way you build up the scene, all those things keep me hooked to your stories like a little kid watching her favorite cartoon show. Thank you. That means the world to us and that's a really really cute introduction and beginning. We love you. Well, I have something to share with you. A spooky incident which might seem like a series of coincidences but I assure you when it happened to me I was scared to my core and in tears. Now all of you this story is further divided into subject lines and I'll keep reading those as well. So the first subject line is something about me. I grew up in a nuclear family with both my parents working full time and a sister who's 10 years older than me. So when I was 14 she was already working full time too like my parents. So I used to spend 8 to 10 hours a day alone at my home and to be honest I loved the freedom that came with it. The next subject line reads November 2011. This happened 12 years ago when we had a couple of weeks of Diwali vacation. I was with my school friends, twin sisters, let's call them Annie and Isha, and a couple of other friends from our school. We were all hanging out at Annie and Isha's place all day long, playing board games, watching TV and chilling. As it was getting dark, a genius from our group said, "Let's do a séance with that planchet thing." And there we go with the planchet again. This episode seems to have a theme with séances and planchets and calling of spirits, so I think you all call this upon yourselves. And and geniuses who suggest this idea. Absolutely. D and this genius in this story just absolutely great. You've learned nothing from our podcast, you guys. 
we were all 14 years old and as we know teenagers love to get themselves in trouble yes we know <laughs> we wrote alphabets on a paper used a coin as a planchet and lit candles to set the scary spooky ambiance we tried calling the spirits but nothing happened we wasted a good 30 minutes trying to scare each other so we had a good laugh about it blew the candles and went home the next subject line reads the real story starts here The twin sisters and I lived in the same building a few floors apart. It was around 7 p.m. when we all left Annie and Isha's place and went for a walk. We said goodbye to our friends and came back to our building. So it was we three, twin sisters and I, and we took the elevator and we were just laughing and goofing around. It reached my floor and I got out, said goodbye to them and walked towards my door. With the keys ready in my hand, I opened the door to my apartment and got inside while I saw the elevator door closing behind me. As I entered my home, I felt this gush of cold wind and it was pitch dark and quiet as no one was home. A little spooked, I hit the lights quickly. It's important to note that all of this happened in a span of a few seconds. I hadn't even shut the door behind me. And that's when the phone rang. This wasn't a usual landline phone but an intercom which was used only by the residents of the building to call each other. After a couple of rings I picked up and said, "Hello." But silence. Not a single sound from the other end. I hung up and just took one step away from the phone when it rang again. I answered, "Hello." Silence again. I hung up again and took one step away when it rang again. With a trembling voice I said, "Hello." Silence. I started shivering and I could feel goosebumps on my skin. I hung up. And then it rang again for the fourth time. This time I was in tears. I answered and I screamed at the receiver, "Hello." Silence. No sound. I hung up the phone hard almost breaking it. And then it rang again. This time I lost it. I was trembling with fear. I picked up the phone and I screamed on the top of my voice, "Hello, who are you?" But this time I heard something or someone whispering. The sound was very low and I couldn't understand what they were trying to say. Terrified in tears, I hung up. And then For the last time it rang again. I picked up screaming my lungs out when I heard Isha's voice. It's me, Isha. Why are you screaming? I controlled my trembling voice and asked her whether she was calling me all this time. She said, "No, we just got home. Are you coming down to play?" You would think that it might be them trying to pull a prank, of but course, all of the calls yeah. No, Aryan, just hear this out, okay? Don't it's make a, a judgment. It's a prank. It's a well. Just hear me out. It's a prank. Okay. Just hear this out. You might think it's a prank, but all the phone calls happened in under a minute, and it was impossible for them to get to their place, open the door, and call me up. Remember, I was already inside my house when the elevator door behind me was still just closing. But anyway, thinking that it might just be them, I hung up and had a glass of water. The house was empty and quiet so I turned on the TV to max volume. I sat on the sofa calming myself down when a loud thud from the kitchen startled me again. Maybe a dish falling off the shelf. And with that loud noise the lights went out. Power cut. 
It was suddenly very dark and very quiet again, just like it was when I entered the house. This time I was not shivering or crying, but I went numb. It was like my body was preparing for some kind of sudden pain. I was scared beyond measure, so much that it felt like I went into a trance waiting for my life to end. I don't know if my mind was playing tricks, but there it was again, the whispering noise. Just a couple minutes later, the electricity came back and the doorbell rang. Both happening at the exact same time brought me back from this numb state and as I opened my eyes, I realized I was on the floor. I don't remember falling off the edge of the sofa. I just remember sitting there in the dark waiting for something to happen. I gathered some strength, got up and opened the door. It was my dad. I talked to my friends later and I'm 100% sure it wasn't them pulling a prank since the timings don't match. I've lived in that house for 12 years now and a lot of similar stuff has happened over the years. Like the sounds of marble falling on the ground at 2am every night. Thinking that maybe the people living upstairs has something to do with it, only to later discover that they were on a vacation. After this whole ordeal, I still don't know who called me five times on the intercom. If there was a power cut in the building, how come my dad didn't get stuck in the elevator? Was it just my house? What would have happened if my dad hadn't returned home? I don't know. Yours truly, A. Um, well done to her friends for that amazing prank that they have still kept a secret. I don't believe her. it, Aran. I just don't I believe do, it. I do. Nope. I, I could totally see myself. Marble my falling friends. every you know, night at 2am? What are you talking about? That, that's, that's separate. I think that's... Can, I think it's just it's a not, beautifully okay. executed prank. Well done that's to her no. friends. More power to them. Alright, I think we just disagree on this episode. This is one of those episodes that would lead to a fight between me and Aran the moment <laughs> this episode ends. <laughs> but I think with that, you guys, we've come to an end of a giant jitty episode where Aran was utterly useless other than his random coughs. Oh, ouch. <laughs> we'll ouch. see you all and hopefully a cure Aran in our next episode next week. Uh, I hope I'm more useful next week. But until then, all of you, you know, be careful of ghosts, um, criminals, and this virus that's going around in Delhi and Sia. <laughs> so stay healthy, stay crazy, stay desi. <laughs>